Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. I thought, I thought maybe we could do some like ASMR, you know? No, I, no branch no. out a little bit. No, no ASMR, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, welcome back, everyone, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Thad. Oh yes, hi, hello. And our other freaking co-host, Kara. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> and today we are continuing our discussion of musicals. This time mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. focusing mm-hmm. on Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, four movies to be exact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, we, uh, are... we, we really loaded it up today. We really did. Uh, 1936 Swing Time, 1937 Shall We Dance, 1934, The Gate of Voice C, and I believe Top Hat, which was... Uh, 35, I think. 1935, all, yeah. Yeah, they're all straight in a row, with, and you just listed them out of chronological order, which will haunt my brain for the rest of this That's conversation. That's because I didn't write them down in chronological order, nor did ah. I watch them in chronological order. Oh, we, did, we didn't either. I didn't <laughs> notice that until, uh, like, me in the middle of... No, no, to be fair, also, the notion that they would do these movies... Like a year apart, <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like yes, we live in a world of franchises, but those are like two uh, movies a year uh, with like two or three years in between. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and like when when we say a year apart, Swing Time came out in October. Uh, let's see, I think it says October of thirty six, and then Shall We Dance came out in May of thirty seven. <laughs> yeah. So. I think the others were all about a year apart. Most of them were in the fall. Yeah. All right, so real quick, before we get started, had you guys ever seen a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie before? I do not believe I had. I don't think so either. I don't rec- I don't like recognize the images, so if I did see it falling asleep on TMC as a child, those memories are gone now. <laughs> okay. So basically, we're all in the same boat of we knew who they were, we just had never seen an entire movie. Yeah, yep. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I am familiar, I, I probably am initially familiar with who these people are from, like, references in Looney Tunes or something, since they always right. love calling out like, actual famous people. But it's one of those, it's weird to be like, I am intimately familiar with the fact that these people exist and what they do, but I don't have any direct knowledge of it. Because pop culture is infectious like that. Right. Um, at what, like, were you surprised at all? Like, I'm guessing, on it, did you enjoy these films at all? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we actually took a lot longer to watch them than the runtime because we have a bad habit of pausing during films to talk about things. Right. Mm-hmm. But at various points in time, a burn, like a witty burn, would <laughs> be so <laughs> severe some, some that we would have to. Some real sick burns. We had to pause to laugh and then, like, go back. Yeah, we had to pause, laugh, and apply ice. Like, it was... There were just so many times that one of us would pause it and just stare at the other one with, like, eyebrow motions and then start playing yeah. again. It, it was, it's quite it's good. A, yeah, they're, they all have some real sharp dialogue. Uh, I, I want I them to be surprised. Oh, they will yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> um, so, a really good um, physical comedy bit so the one the one where i nearly died is in oh my goodness which movie is it in do, 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 do. it's oh it's shall we dance and uh 
some somebody it doesn't really matter, but somebody is extremely seasick on board of a yacht and also <laughs> hungover, and someone else comes to eat breakfast, you'll feel better. And the oh, first that's, guy uh, that's Edward Everett Horton's character. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he he uh, he looks at the other man who's brought him breakfast, and he picks up the breakfast and like making eye contact the whole time, walks it over to the window and chucks it out the window, and then says, "There, saved myself a trip." <laughs> <laughs> and it just. I could see that that's where it was going, but it was just so, like, uh, serious face executed that I had to stop the movie because I wouldn't stop laughing. Right. Like, I would stop and then start. It, yeah. So, my question is, what were you expecting compared to what you got? Much less funny. I, okay. You were hmm. expecting it wouldn't be as funny? I was expecting a different kind of funny. So I was right. expecting, I think it's odd because I've watched a lot of older movies. So these are all from the 30s. I've actually watched not a lot, but it, but more movies than most from like the kind of 40s into the early 50s. Right. And those movies feel almost they're a lot more serious and the humor isn't as fast. Right. So the, these movies almost had almost like a Josh, Josh Whedon-ish quality to the fast-pacedness and the kind of humor that you were seeing. And it was very, very funny and very dry in good places, but also like a lot of physical comedy and a lot of like clearly like jokester straight men who are supposed to be the dumb guy, often played by the same actor. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the the breadth of the like things that they did surprised me. Also, one of the things that I, I was that I, I couldn't help but be a little bit I don't know, that kept drawing my attention, was how separated the different types of, like, entertainment were. Because very rarely would they sing and dance at the same time. So, like, dialogue was separate from song, separate from dance. And that was very interesting. Like, it, it had this almost, like, vaudeville quality of, like, and now the next act. Except it was, you know, it's just a contiguous thing, but it's still like the, everything was very partitioned in a way that I thought was was uh, interesting. They're also all uh, they're all romantic comedies, but when we discuss this at length, they're not the kind of so the kind of romantic comedy we see now is focused on the woman and it follows her story, and usually there's a man who's like kind of overly involved. Like overly pursuing her to an extent, if it wasn't a romantic comedy, it would be a little spooky. Yeah, because Crack did, a, did at least a couple of videos about how like romantic comedies are, are about evil, horrible people. Yeah, right. But um, it's actually from his perspective in these movies, more often from Fred's perspective than Ginger's, because they're always the love interests, right. and she always gives as good as she gets. And a lot of times, even if he's sort of aggressively pursuing her, mm-hmm. he's never physical with her. So he's not grabbing her. He's not pulling her. He's not stealing things from her. He's trying to get her attention. But he's clearly so charming and so benign and just so non-threatening that it's it's very it's very nice, actually. Like, this is a much better form of romantic comedy a lot of times than the ones that we get. Yeah, in a lot of ways, there's, like, even sort of we talked about before too like even just the misunderstandings are also a lot shorter than they are in i think more modern ones so the characters seem less stupid right uh i think the one where the misunderstanding went on the longest was top hat which is the the last one that we watched and uh it was like that one the the misunderstanding between the characters went on through most of the movie but the rest of them they would move from one thing to the next really quickly and it was kind of interesting 
Well, not only that, but like as you said, Ginger Rogers got to get hers as well. Like they would trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who had the upper hand? Um, real quick before we get like too distracted to talk about what we love. Um, sure. Sorry. Let's talk about Thad. You go first, describing Top Hat. Actually, hold on. What's the what's the first call? Uh, the Gate of USA. Okay. Um, well, the the Gay Divorce is uh, hold on. Sorry, these are these run together in my brain a little bit. Can I do it? Can I do uh, it? Yeah, oh, yeah, you can do it. Oh, yay! I can. All right. So the essential thing of the, of the Gay Divorce is young Ginger Rogers and, of course, Fred Astaire. For reasons, are in the same place, and he sees her in a moment where she actually has her dress stuck in something and he tears her dress to get her out and she's not happy with him. So over and over again, he tries to find her, coincidentally meets up with him for a few times. She consistently rejects him. And then as it turns out, her aunt and his friend, a lawyer, know each other. She is actually married to a husband who is negligent and kind of like not abusive, but boring. Mm -hmm. And she would like a divorce. So the lawyer arranges for her to go to hotel where she'll be caught in flagrante delecto with a man he has hired whose job it is to do this. So that way she may get a divorce for cheating. She's not actually going to sleep with him, nor will she actually take off her dress or her clothes in any fashion. It will simply be for show. And due to a mix-up of the password for the handsome paid man versus the dumb Fred Astaire, she believes that Fred is actually the person that she's going to meet. And then uh, they find out it's not, and then they have a lot of dance sequences. And then it turns out that her husband has been cheating on her, so now she can get her divorce and marry him. I mean, I think that sums it up, right? That's yeah. fantastic. That's, yeah. One of the things I love about uh, uh, kind of – all of these movies, but but I think the gay divorcee like really hit it was how quickly they resolve all of the plot threads when you get to the end of the movie. Like, right. all right, you got to tie it up. Got to tie it up. Not only that, but you could almost see the twist coming with the professor, Mister Brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as the there time... was, as soon as as soon as that Professor Brown, the geologist, mentioned, like, oh, so that's where it's going. But I wanted yeah. to see it. I. The good thing about these movies is that no one no one gets hurt. And if someone is involved in the situation just from the outset, like, of course, the, the man who's being, like, paid to do, like, the fake affair, he doesn't himself end up embarrassed or humiliated. Like, everyone ends up fine except for the people who are genuinely bad people. The right. In this case, the cheat husband <laughs> ends up outed and stuff. I actually, like, so Swing Time has my favorite ending. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because the 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 woman that he was gonna marry breaks up with him. Yeah, the, I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's and there's a the part with the pants. The, <laughs> the fact that, that comes that that you know that comes home to roost is is quite. Good. I was not I, expecting that bit to come back around, but as soon as I saw I. that, yeah, as soon as you see the magazine in that last section, it's like, oh god, they're gonna steal his pants. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, so that that means you get to do top hat. Okay, uh, top hat is uh, a. It's so there's a a a, a, da- a famous dancer slash showman who is uh, su- shockingly played by Fred Astaire, <laughs> and uh, and uh, a producer friend of his who's who's played by uh, Edward Horton who, who is his sidekick and I think three out of four of these movies yeah um is uh, trying to he's he's gonna he's he's getting ready to to produce a, a show in London that uh, that Astaire's character is going to be in 
and uh, he he wants it to be like this big surprise debut, so he's trying to keep it under wraps. Uh, but Astaire being Astaire is uh, a tap dancing maniac and uh, annoys the the downstairs neighbor in the hotel where they're at at the beginning, who is of course Ginger Rogers' character, uh, who like they they meet and have a little bit of a, a flirtation due to that, but they don't they're never introduced to one another. So uh, what ends up happening from here is that a, a series of of uh, it's sort of classic farcical misunderstandings take place to where uh, Roger's character believes that uh, Fred Astaire is married to uh, a woman that she knows, uh, Madge. And uh, as they continue to like flirt, she gets you know more and more angry and upset. By the way, uh, Madge, played by Helen Broderick, is maybe the best character out of any of these movies. <laughs> because as she fought, like, she's very aware of and, like, kind of fine with the fact that her husband does indeed flirt with women, just not this one. And not to the extent that, that Ginger Rogers thinks is happening because of the, the oh. mistaken identity plot. There's, so there's a great part where, like, so Ginger Rogers' character is telling Madge, like, you know, he... he you know, followed me to a park and he did this and he did that. And she's like, Oh, I didn't think he had it in him. Like, <laughs> like she's like, I appreciate she's like, I appreciate a man that can appreciate a woman. Like she just she and like so it gets to the point. Yeah. The break off is when Fred Astaire's character proposed to Ginger's character, and that's when Madge gets mad. Oh, he's going to divorce me. Well, even then, like me. she's like she's been divorced before, and seems like, oh yeah, well I know how this is going to go. But she's still annoyed. Yeah, she's still annoyed about the like infidelity part, and then just baps him one. But uh, yeah, it's it's basically so like the 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 misunderstandings accelerate uh, the most out of any of these. Again, like the the, the yeah, mistaken identity goes through almost the entire movie and as like the the relationship gets closer it it get like the 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 emotions get more conflicted and intense and then of course uh in the end it's it's revealed that this is all nonsense after uh a married after roger's character like gets married to someone else out of spite except she doesn't because of a thing set up with the with uh fred astaire's friends butler accidentally led to it's great it's just uh, a long series of misunderstandings through awesome dance numbers that ends with uh uh, everybody being fine. Well, yeah. What's really interesting about Top Hat is the fact that, and I, I, the pronoun game they play with the butler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's shocking that they managed to figure it out in 1935. Uh, uh, 35, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's basically like they never break it. We are a, like, that's what I like to be called. Yeah. The, the butler, uh, the butler enjoys his his uh, his plural pronouns and, and deal with it. <laughs> uh, who is another repeat actor? Uh, yeah. Eric Blore, Blore. Yeah, I'm not Blore, sure. Yeah, the, the, uh, they have the same cast essentially, just over and over again. Much like yeah, it's from, basically the same plot over and over. Yeah, for again. most of these, except I think Swing Time. Well, Swing Time a, we'll uh, get to because yeah. 1936. Yeah. That's also the one out of the four that's directed by someone completely different. Yeah. All the others are directed by Mark Sandridge. Mm. 1936 Swing Time is directed by Joyce Stevens, oh. who also did a lot of Catherine Hepburn comedies and then went to World War II and came back and did uh, Diary of Anne Frank, Giant, oh. and never did another musical comedy ever again. Mm. Joyce Stevens is a bit of an American hero because he's also the guy who basically collected all the footage of the concentration camps and it's oh, the wow. footage they used for the war crimes tribunal 
Uh, so so he went to the war and then was like, I have to do more important things with film. Right, now. he couldn't, like, he was done. Like, that killed the comedy in him. That's, that's fair. <laughs> because, again, he was the first one, like, his footage is the first we saw of Auschwitz. Uh, and oftentimes he would be the one yeah. holding the camera, not sending his people in because he couldn't bear to like put him through that. Yeah. Oof. Um, but well, yeah, well, well, I mean, Swing Time is a, is a <laughs> uh, an enjoyable film, also. Although uh, uh, modern time... uh, modern context makes the the sudden appearance of blackface. Uh, uh, we'll get to that uh, in a bit. Full. But Swing Time is also the one with like the barest semblance of a plot. Yeah, I, I I I tend to agree, but I feel like it also like it uses as much plot as it needs. Right. The the swing time. I think I I did like them all. I did. I liked swing time a lot because of the pace that it moved at. Yeah, it moved really quickly. And and I think that's the great thing about swing time is it would have like essentially a ten minute mini movie with like problem. You know, situation, problem, whatever, resolution, next thing. Situation, problem, resolution, next thing. Situation. And so, like, there was only one or two, like, long-term through threads. Mm-hmm. And those were very quickly sort of wrapped up at the end and closed out. And it was it, – it's kind of an enjoyable form. And, of course, the thing about Fred Astaire, I think, that makes him so charming is his character kind of – anytime something happens, he never gets unhappy about it. Yeah. So at one point, due to like misunderstanding, uh, Ginger Rogers just walks up to him and just clocks him in front of a room full of people, <laughs> and everyone's very upset about this. And his friends like, "She slapped you for no reason." He's like, "No reason." And his friends like, "I don't believe that someone would slap you for no reason." He's like, "Would you like her to slap you instead if you're into that?" <laughs> and, then and he goes, "I am." His friends like. That. <laughs> No, wait, what? And then, and like he just shakes it off. He's like, yeah, you know, sometimes when you're flirting with women, they'll just like cold cock the shit out of you. That's uh, that's Mondays, my friend. This is the thirties. I, I think my favorite bit in that exchange was I think the first the, the first joke in that exchange was uh, that she she like hit you for nothing. It's like, what did you want me to sell tickets? <laughs> <laughs> like um, the wordplay in all of these movies is just top notch. Uh, swing time at his essence is basically Fetister and his f- is going to get married, but then his quote unquote friends can't lose him because he's the best dancer they have in the troupe. Yeah, so sabotage his wedding to which then yeah. because he's a gambler makes a bet that if he makes twenty five thousand dollars he'll come back and marry her, and then proceeds to the rest of the movie fall in love with Ginger Rogers and tries not to make that money so he doesn't have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I love the uh, the negotiation the negotiation <laughs> for partnership in the club where they're like, oh, I'll make you a fifty percent partner. You'll make thirty thousand dollars this season. <laughs> it's like goes and talks to his friend. It's like better make it a quarter. Better make it uh, a quarter 15. partner just to be safe. Yeah, fifteen thousand. <laughs> um, and then basically realizes that they both have fallen in love with someone else, and the wedding's off anyway. Yeah, uh, it's it's bit, like it it really is like that. Like a Shakespearean comedy, like oh, okay, well, we all end up with with the with somebody we want to be with anyway. The end. Yeah, like, every, and again, that's something that I really like is that because I mean, I, I get I get kind of overly involved even in comedies. Where I'm like, oh, like that poor girl, like he screwed her over, like he left right. her at the altar and is going to embarrass her in front of her family, and she rolls into New York to be like, I am, and it's great because 
he she's like I fall in love with someone else and she's waiting for me to be mad. He's like, Oh that's great, I fall in love with, I fall in love with someone else. She's like, How wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they're all just- and then they just sort of shake it off and go their separate ways. And then yeah. he steals the girl he's in love with is going to marry um someone else, so he steals the groom's pants. Using the same around. scam that was used to make him miss his uh, uh, wedding in the opening of the movie. Right. <laughs> um, it's so nice they did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shall We Dance, which is the last one and oddly the most extravagant one of the four. Yeah. In terms yeah, of set I... design and everything. And that one is really just two dancers who meet and a rumor gets started that they're married and then they have to prove that they're not married by proving that they're married. It becomes a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, they, people think they're secretly married and in the end they're like, well, fine, we'll just get secretly married so that we can get publicly divorced and then everyone will leave us alone. <laughs> Uh, it's, well, it's great. <laughs> watching these... Although that one has the most upsetting sequence, I think. This most upsetting or the second most upsetting? Which uh, one? Okay, uh, important interjection. Kara, what, what Kara means, because not all of you speak Kara, is most upsetting to Kara. Yes. Well, I figured To her particular <laughs> sensibility. And I, I feel like you're not including the blackface in this uh, because it's upsetting in a more general way than things that are specifically yes. upsetting to you. No, because uh, that one was actually frightening, as this was, which is where he, uh, Ginger Rogers has ditched him for reasons. And he's like, if I can't dance with her, I'm not going to dance. I don't want to dance with anyone. Oh. So he gets a lot of chorus girls. A set of masks of her face. And that's women with these dead corpse yeah. masks. I mean, her face. Which leads, leads, by the way, to like, one of the better moments in which he's looking for the real Ginger Rogers and months yeah. fake Ginger Rogers. Like, like it's such a like the the masks are really uncanny. Uh, although actually pretty like the the reason they're uncanny is because they're really well made. Yeah, they're really but, well made. shockingly so to the point where yeah, like but, it's disturbing. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, like, that's the thing, is it's so creepy during the beginning of the song, but I would argue that, like, when it plays out and it turns into the bit of she, like, she takes the place of one of the dancers and, like, then the bit becomes him trying to find which one is the real her, I feel like that's a great landing for what started out as, as like, a, a, it, if you take it on its narrative face, it's a creepy stalkerish thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I will have all these beautiful women wear her face and it puts the lotion on its skin yeah. and like, was, like as soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh no, I don't like that." But I mean, that's also like her 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 manager had already had and was used in part of the the rumor mongering <laughs> a mannequin that looked like her, her without telling her. Like it's Not only that, that was but can that we was talk also about, really weird. Can we talk about that creepy aspect? But the fact that the mannequin, the notion of a mannequin, was so new. Is that they're like, well, who? What else can it be? I know. There's no other possible explanation than that they were in this yeah, photo. It looked like a mannequin in the photo, and also, yeah, do you know in the 30s they had silent cameras? <laughs> yeah. They, take yeah that was, uh... they they saddle the mannequin in bed with him while he's asleep, which is, I mean, okay, it's it's a farce. But then they take a picture with one of those giant 30s cameras with a flash, the kind where the bolt explodes, and it's uh... like, yeah, yeah, he slept right through that. Good job. <laughs> Um, okay, so watching these movies, I was reminded of a movie we've talked about before on this podcast. I don't know, I know Thad watched it, but I don't know if Kara watched it with him. It's The Miracle on, uh, at Morgan's, Morgan's Creek. 
No, that was uh, that was a while ago. Uh, she unfortunately, I have not. Okay, that one is a Preston Sturges movies in which it works because you have to understand the Hayes Code. And mm. a lot of these movies, with the exception of The Gate of War C, and even then that's made right on the border between the pre-code and the Hayes Code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are set up the way they are because of the Hayes Code. Because in the Gate yeah, of War like the, C, the I think way he... that, yeah, the way that they use innuendo was was the Gate of War C the one where they had the bit about knocking knees. Let's knock yeah. knees. Yeah, it's a song, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's clearly oh. about dating. Oh, these people are all talking about boning. <laughs> well, yeah. the, when he says, "Why don't we get married?" He's not really wanting marriage, but you have to get married before you yeah. can do anything. You uh, you want to get married, <laughs> right? Like even in Swing Time, the, you don't see them kiss because they're yeah. not married. Yeah. Uh, and it's With, it's sometimes really funny the ways that they get around showing them kiss, right? But they also have an extended sequence where they talk about her being pregnant. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. So in Swing Time, there's this bit where. They have had to run away from the paparazzi. They're hiding out no, no, in no. a... You're, you're thinking of uh, oh, Shall We Dance. Shall We Dance. I'm so sorry. Can I start over again? <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> These really do run together if you watch them all together. Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. So, Shall We Dance, um, that is the one where they... There's a rumor that they are married, and that has is dogging them in their careers. And at one point, they are being chased by the paparazzi. They ditch them. They're hiding in a skate park. Yeah. And they're talking... And she's like, you got me into this. And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry it was an accident because it is kind of his fault that this rumor got started, yeah. again, by accident. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and so a police officer comes over and starts eavesdropping on their conversation. She's like, you got me into this. And this is the kind of trouble that can really, like, be upsetting for a girl. And he's like, well, I can't. I'm not solely responsible for it. And she's like, well, somebody <laughs> has to be held responsible. Are you going to do right by me or not? And he's like, well, I suppose I could. And so that's when, because they're deciding that they're going to get married so they can get divorced. And, like, the police officer's listening to this, and they look up at him, and they're like, well, where can we get married? And he's like, well, you can get married over there in New Jersey. Yeah, and, the, the thing um, was that they're too recognizable in New York. And, yeah. was, and the police officer just walks by and is like, try New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, a but different he, country. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting because it's, it's a joke and it's a misunderstanding and so on and so forth. But they're very clearly talking about her being pregnant. Yeah. Right. Like, that is the story. And it's recognizable scandalous even well it's it's one of those things that it sort of belies the fiction of what we tell ourselves about what people used to be like you right. know people didn't used to get pregnant out of wedlock and they didn't well clearly they did because they can innuendo it very clearly in this like, comedy yeah, like it's I, that much of a common thing yeah, yeah. like it, it's to the point where again it's uh it's one of the reasons we like one of the things we talked about in top hat uh with uh with madge because she is, su- she super doesn't seem to care what her husband gets up to, and is is like down for whatever. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, she, she's very like, like I'm yeah. A, I'm a woman who gets how things work. Like, she's... well, well, also... there's one part where she meets somebody, and what does she say? Uh, he's like, well, can I? He asks her something, and she's like, oh, darling, when I'm feeling a little bit stronger, uh-huh. and it's it's very clearly like. <laughs> <laughs> well, even in the Gate of OSA, it's heavily implied that. Her manager is gay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, he has I... a boyfriend that they are living together. Yeah. Same with the, uh, I would argue, same with the dressmaker in uh, in Top Hat. Yeah. I think it's the Top Hat. Yeah. 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 
yeah, it's it's very clear that he's he's like you know he he says a few things like oh women women are for kisses men are for swords kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So but he kept being what? like yeah well I'm sure he'll find a good guy to give the sword to eventually. But there's a part that's meant to be a joke about how silly she is because he's her dress designer. Yeah. And he's he's like if you fall in love and get married like you won't be like this beautiful woman that wears my dresses anymore and he's very upset about that and she's like no darling too bad it sucks sucks to be you and he yells i will never have another woman wear my dresses ever again storms <laughs> out of the room and she just kind of rolls her eyes and it's like well darling who's wearing your dresses then like <laughs> well implication being that he is he's wearing them not only that but edward Everett horton's character is very mm-hmm. much like classic sort of Fay character, yeah. He's, and the I'd, say, I'd say kind of both, uh, both him and Rhodes both yeah. get very much cast that way. So does Eric Bloor, Cesar Fl- yeah, Flintridge. Oh yeah. Oh, especially a lot of his comedy is very much the sort of almost sort of like flaming comedy, I should say. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Uh, see, are you being served? Type of British comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if Cecil Flitwich. Well, yeah. I mean, they're also they're also all characters uh, wh- who are are played as not being American most of the time. Yeah. Uh, which you know, uh, you you know what those foreigners are like. Yeah. Apparently. Well, apparently. It's also a very weird affectation because they don't really try not to sound American, except for <laughs> ones who put on accents that are outrageously bad. Yeah. Like when Fetishdale pretends to be Russian and Shelly dance, and I'm like, that's uh, who are you I fooling love, with that? And why I love are they Russian? <laughs> like Yakov Smirnov doesn't it's so matter. It's so good. <laughs> But the other movie that popped into mind is Citizen Kane. Mm. Because I have seen a lot of movies in the 30s and early 40s. But it's been a while since I've sort of marathoned a bunch of them together. Mm. And you start to see why Citizen Kane feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because there is a very... Uh, like And again, I enjoyed all of these. They're all well done. Right. But there is a certain kind of manneredness, not to the acting so much as the construction sort of what i was talking about earlier with everything being very partitioned and in certain ways very static like this piece goes here then this piece goes here then this piece goes here and if you compare that to citizen kane and like the way they made use of camera and uh and of light and all of those things like it's night and like you can very much see the stage influence right on these movies well not even that but yeah. the way they cut and edit yeah because well, there was also in a, in a, I did a little bit of wiki, I did a little bit of Wikipedia reading. Jeremiah, be proud okay. of me. And apparently, that was like one of Fred Astaire's things. Is he's like, I want all of the dance sequences not to be they suddenly burst into dance necessarily, but it's somehow integrated into the plot. So that's yeah. why he always plays a character who dances, and that makes sense as to why he and Joy would burst into dance. It's all the dance sequences are really happening. Yeah. And he, always, he and wanted so body it, shots. He didn't want cutaway shots to the audience. Yeah. He didn't want cutaway shots um, up on his face. He didn't want cutaway shots on the chorus girls' lines. He's like, no, I want it to look like this is one stage performance, almost like a seamless take, and I want you to pull the camera back or it can follow us, which is fine. 
but I don't want it to be chopped up. I don't like that. Right. Like, I, um, I mean, I kind of respect him for it. It's really hard on him. It re- and Ginger, because she's yeah. doing some amazing things just to keep up with him and mm-hmm. outfits that are not designed to be doing what she's doing. <gasps> we pause at several points to rant about her outfits, especially me, but sometimes Thaddeus as well. Right. Yeah, we we, we discussed which one we thought was the best. Right. <laughs> Um, but like, shall we dance? There's a moment in which they do some really sort of fascinating editing with one of the group dance numbers towards the end. Yeah. And, but it's edited to the rhythm of the song. And I had never really seen a movie that early do that before. Yeah. Like these are, you can tell the movies are very, like I, I say that the, like the separate pieces are feel very separate, but within the, the musical numbers, like it is all about meshing everything together. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the 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 music is like the heart of what's going on. So like dances, cuts, uh, things like that. Yeah, we are seeing essentially with these movies the sort of birthing of what is going to be the Hollywood musical. Uh, okay, so yeah, so what we're seeing is like the birthing of the Hollywood dance musical, not the yeah. Hollywood musical in general. Yeah, like I, I think it's uh, like you said, just in the way that the musical numbers are, I don't know, the way that they're framed in a way that it, that sort of respects them as as something that isn't just being done for attention, but as right. part of the overall whole. Well, is, uh, I, I, I definitely see that as, as leading to what we know comes later. Musicals had existed on Broadway, but yeah. as far as figuring out how to get it on oh, film... The Divorcee was a Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... it's an, I think it's his own adap- adaptation. I'm not going to say it right. Well, no, that's you the thing. Right. Fetish did Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, he was bringing a lot of that to the mm-hmm. movies. And it's and so she like if you see his though. acting, it's very theatrical. It's very broad. Whereas Ginger yeah. Rogers is fantastic, but clearly much more filmic, let's filmic say. and acting. I lo- she was fast. I loved Ginger Rogers. Oh yeah. But oh like, yeah. And she's all about the I just she's all about the eyes. Yeah. And so just these very subtle like just these very so like importance of being earnest kind of like facial <laughs> motions right. and they, they don't zoom in on her face very often but they usually get her from like the waist up so you can see her whole body you can see like a little bit of the hair flick eye up and down mm, all right then and then just snap and leave yeah no, there's uh, a lot i honestly i think the the attention to body language in these movies is really good as well yeah yeah definitely well I also bring up Citizen Kane is because for a couple of these musicals that we watched, the camera is still inside a box. Yeah. It's not moving around at all. And it has yeah, less there, to do there's... with the genre and more to do with the capabilities. Yeah, like very minimal camera movements. Although, like, the, you know, as, as you were talking about earlier, like in the dance numbers, the camera is, uh, I don't know, it, like it, it does follow especially the individual numbers very well. Right. Well, uh, kind of like what Kara was saying um, and Shall We Dance, like there was no sound of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically because I don't think they got to the point where they could reproduce like that. And 
the way they were recording sound yeah would have made it difficult and or we like maybe not being able to pick it up because if you notice a few scenes where fed and ginger are standing really close to each other yeah that's because the mic's hanging right above them there was i actually went back to because i got very curious about how they were possibly recording his taps mm-hmm and I went and did a bit of Googling around, and according to an anonymous poster on the internet, the most secure kind of information, they, they couldn't. They couldn't record him dancing for two reasons. The first off is the microphones just really weren't that good yeah. to get in on the feet. And the second thing is that he had to hear the music, so they had to blast the music at him so he could dance the music. And clearly they couldn't record that because that would be garbage. Right. And so what they would do is they would blast music so he and her could dance and then they would have a studio recording of the music and of the singing and then they would play for him his own effing dance or play for them their own effing dances and make them go in something called a foley room uh, with a wooden floor make them dance on it so he would have to watch himself on like i don't know how they did it but he would have to watch it or maybe they would just play the music and he would have to nail it again exactly as he did yeah however many weeks or days or months ago to and get this that is where stage training comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I imagine like, I don't know, this is something Karen and I were talking about. Like I, I find that impressive, but also at the same time, like the amount of times they have to dance this to learn it. Like by the, by the time you're recording it for sound, I feel like you have it down real well. Well, uh, this is especially like, since I think he's also the choreographer. Yeah. This is one of the things where like, again, I bring up the citizen thing, citizen Kane thing, because Citizen Kane gets talked a lot about visuals, but it's the sound in which it really hit, yeah. broke through some barriers. And it's really impressive to see what Astaire and Rogers and Mark Sanders were doing with the very limited tools they had. Yeah. Because, the- yes, one of the reasons they're not singing and dancing is because, like we just said, it was almost yeah. impossible to record then. Like it was, it, you would have had to have done so many takes. Yeah. Um... And well, one the, time, there is a number. The, okay, what did I, you want to say? I'm sorry, just about, like, the time. So these movies came out less than a year apart. These yeah. are actors on contract. This is the old studio system. So there was, like, Sis and Kane, and I'm basically going off, like, a documentary I saw, and it went way over budget and took way longer than it was supposed to be. So here's Fred Astaire being like, I want to do these really expensive, big-budget musicals with all the people who are on contract. And, you know, once the first few hit hit and hit big he had to make them fast and so it's like yeah you have a month of filming and then like three months of editing and then this thing has to come out and while we're editing it you have to start choreographing the next one so the fact that they did as much as they did with so many of these really tight constraints of the time not just of technology but of actual like this is going to be released soon, dude. You have to, you're contracted to do at least one of these a year. Yeah. Like, right. and I mean, we like one of the other things that is, I think really impressive uh, just in terms of the, the historical thing. Like these are people that we've known about even without having seen the movies since forever. And like, this is sort of thought of as, as like a, a defining sort of era, like these people that just really standing out. And like the, the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers era was only like six years. Yeah. Uh, like it's like they crank, these out over like a six year period and uh it's just amazing i do have to interrupt for one last really really important thing and then jeremiah i promise to let you get back to your point uh at one point they have uh fred says his tuxedo 
chest size, which is 36 inches. And Thaddeus and I immediately like looked at each other and said, like, I got to do a thing. And he paused it. And we both went to measure ourselves to see if we were bigger or smaller. We are both smaller than uh, Fred, who is not a large man, by the way. No, he's not. And like, before I move on to my point, like, Fred Astaire is an odd looking man. Yeah, as an odd-looking man, I agree. Well, it's one of the things where, like, we we saw him in Looney Tunes, probably more than likely it's the first time you saw him, and there's this weird yeah. thing when you see him in life, it's like, I thought that was a character. Your head is really <laughs> yeah, sort of oddly shaped. he has a really shaped. good face. He has a really good face to caricature because it's already very extreme. Well, he also owns it. He's also not embarrassed of it or ashamed of his, you know, five head. Right. Yeah. Like, he's basically Jason Momoa. He's feeling himself 24-7, and that just translates. Yeah, 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 it's exactly what he's like. He's like a a, a scrawny, he's dancing incredibly... Jason Momoa, but still has that <laughs> same, like, BDE, you know? Yeah, he's he's very confident, but not in an aggressive way. Like, he's a, a he seems like a very, like, at least the characters he portrays are very, like, at ease with themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, so what and, I uh, wanted I like to talk that. about on Swing Time there's Sorry. a moment after a really great kiss scene and shot really well in a really ingenious mm-hmm. way where he goes over is to Is this his... the one where they're put behind the door? Yeah. And the, yeah. And the guy looks yeah. behind him and her lipstick is on her... He's wearing her lipstick. Mm-hmm. And he's all yeah. happy. And then he goes over to the makeup counter and he starts putting sludge on his hand. I'm like, hey, what's he doing? Then he starts putting it on his face. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, no. And then exactly it cuts to a bunch we... of people dancing. And I was like, oh, God, no. And they pause <laughs> and you see this giant oblong face, black face, with red oh. lips and a bowler hat, like bigger than life. And I'm like, oh, God, no. And then the hat rises up and you see the shoes and I'm like, oh god, no. And they start to part and you see the part of these very long like outstretched legs and I'm like, oh sweet Jesus. Like, and then you see it's like, ger- the, like the, the leg thing looks like something out of German expressionism. Right. Like It's so weird. It's like it so that one, so he has, he has Hey, we're back. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a great bit, not a bit, but a moment where Fred Astaire turns and you can actually see, I can't remember which movie it was in, but you can actually see the contour a couple of different times under his cheekbones because he's very beautiful, prominent cheekbones and they had to layer in the color back into him. If you'd seen him in real life, they'd be very spooky looking with how much color they had to put on and like the weird color palettes they used to get the black gray gradient show back up. Mm-hmm. Uh a little bit racist trivia um, with the way they used to use color and develop film. It's why they didn't like to have black people because it was harder to light them. Well, that, was, that was especially true with color, color. Film, wasn't it? Color yeah. film is bad too, but black and white, if you don't do it right, can have problems. Oh, absolutely. Uh, notice, uh, Oprah Winfrey notice, famously said, um, got, went out of a way to make black people live properly on her show. Oh, yeah. She, was like, she said openly, I want black people to actually appear on my show. Yeah, um, and I mean, that's one of those things that I know has been talked about on, like, film YouTube a lot over the last few years, is that we would not have the glorious color palette of bi-lighting kind of without how great those light colors are for, like, black actors. Right. Um, Sidney Poitier, when he was on In the Heat of the Night, uh, Haskell Wessler was a cinematographer, and he came over, he's like, we're going to have to light you differently. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, haven't you noticed you've all but vanished in some of the scenes in your movies? He's like, yeah. It's like, well, that's because you have to be lit differently, man. Your skin color is different. <laughs> your light reacts differently to it. 
And, and so, it's, it's, consequently, he looks better than he's ever looked in any film. It's it's a, one of those things that's uh, so amazing to me that people will argue about, like, well, well, you know, technology isn't racist and blah, 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 where it's like, you we, we every new technology or just even established technologies, but when people don't think about it, like, this kind of thing always happens. Like, cameras not, like, smart cameras not recognizing black right. faces. Just the, the those things that are caused by people not thinking about it because why would you think about black people i think why they do that is they think racism is intentional yeah yeah it's oh yeah that's the i mean that's the classic swerve is the idea that you have to be a racist to be racist as opposed right. to racism being actions that you uh, do. going I am, back, going back, point to out that this links back to the perfect uh perfect link back to the blackface scene but um no so just i i loved Almost all of the outfits. There was one that, um, as Ginger was dancing in it, it was shedding. That was yeah. That was in uh, top hat, the the feather dress. But I really loved it. I loved the makeup. I loved everything about it. It was it was, it was it's kind of weird because there were a couple moments where um, she's clearly wearing not just 1930s movie star makeup, but 1930s movie star makeup of a woman who is a movie star playing a movie star. Like, it's some heavy makeup. <laughs> and her hair is curled. And she's wearing basically an evening dress that's essentially a nightgown. And she's in bed, and she gets up and goes to bed like that. And I'm like, don't play me. <laughs> uh, nice. Don't, well, don't. No. And leading to the blackface, uh, we need mm. to talk about that scene in Swing Time. Yeah. Um, the moment that happens, it's in a really great scene. And that, and it just sort of unfolds in a way that, to the modern sensibility, you can't believe what you're seeing. Yeah, because like you said, like it, it has this great kiss. Uh, it's this really great like romantic moment, and it's also really funny just because of the way they do the door thing, and right. it's just this this great little climax of like sweetness between these characters, and then just we get as modern as a modern audience get to have this dawning horror as he sits down to the mirror and starts applying. Yeah, black well, it's, it's supposed to be like a victory moment. So this is the moment where he gets the girl. He's going to go on and do the performance. It's going to close his career. He has everything that he wants, and so it's this you know, the warm performance that leads into that. And it's just like... And it's also, like, they do some really technically impressive things. Yeah, too, that number really when he's dancing, cool Like, when he's dancing with the shadows. Yeah. And it's just, God. Ah. Oh, well, it's, okay. It is, it is stylistically very impressive, but it is frustrating. The, it is the weird thing is looking at white critics bend over backwards to defend Fetister. Yeah. And it's that thing where, like, for some reason, we all have this blind spot. Yeah. And, yes, while he may have intended to be paying homage, because as Ebert cited this one book about blackface, cited this one movie as one of the only times it wasn't <laughs> racist. Um, yeah. Weird flex. Um, well, even then, there, I uh, I sent you that clipping from that, that book. Uh, There's a book called The Comedians by a guy named uh, Nesterov. And in one of the early chapters, they talk about blackface, and there's this great uh, thing where where people, uh, some like big comedian, like vaudeville comedians, uh, would say like, "Oh, nobody, nobody took, you know, basically they made the argument, oh, people are being too sensitive about it, like nobody ever used to be bothered by it, blah blah blah." And what it really <laughs> is is just nobody who had the power to say anything and be listened to would do anything about it. Because and, and this like, is there's... important. It's yeah. always been racist. You just never yeah. had the power. Like, people always protested 
and always and that's still like it's it was shocking to me when i came across that passage because nothing has changed yeah like we no like i uh shout out to one of my favorite uh podcasts uh behind the bastards where they talk about horrible people but uh like one of the recurring bits is like oh nobody ever learns from history everything just happens over and over like it's (laughs) it's the worst the great that yeah oh god i hate it (laughs) Well, like the other thing that, because when we saw that that's what that was going to be, oh. when like the dawning of the black thing came, <laughs> mm. I paused. I'm like, like what? What would this have been like for a block audience member in like 36 or 37? I'm sorry, I've forgotten the year. And I don't want to flip. Uh, uh, Swing time is 36. 36. 36. Would it have just yeah, been like? Well, I mean, it would have just been like. There are so many other things to deal with that I can't be even be mad about this right now. It'd been like I guess that that's like your mileage on it. Would have been like oh awesome, or would have been like oh I oh we we don't watch white movies. We we go with Dorothy Dandridge. Right. Like what what would that have? I mean, I imagine been? there is a spectrum and of even, all of those. <laughs> and even if it had been something where it's like oh no one at the time cared. It's like well just because somebody is like you know the the lynchings are more important to me than the representation in film doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah, it's like, and we have demonstrable proof of that just from our lifetimes. Like, if you go back and look at Friends and all the yeah. jokes they would make about, like, uh, Chandler's uh, mom. Like, mom, yeah, like, had transitioned uh, and, like, all of the ways that she is the butt of jokes. And that's from the 90s. It's from the late 90s into the early 2000s. Like, what's fascinating? Uh, it's, what's it's, weird about that one for me so much is that they refer to his mom as a drag queen a lot, his, his dad as a drag queen a lot, but his dad, like, if you go back and kind of watch it's like, no, 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 his dad is not... Like, the, she, she, she was a, a woman, she, like, she transitioned. Yeah. Is a, tra- a transitioned woman, not a man. And not, so a, it, not, a, not a male drag queen. Like, yeah, the, it's like, yeah. Why, are, why are we conflating drag with transition? These things are not the same. They're not opposed, either. You can Because be both, they don't but. care. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like I I am I often think about like that that floating question for a lot of terrible representation things of like is it I I'm I'm curious uh, as to how much is malice and how much is just not caring or not or ignorance but like it also doesn't matter it's still right. bad either way I think like, swing time is a mixture of well intentioned yeah I think it's dumb well intentioned yeah um I I do want to make a little thing here like swing time I think. Hmm. Swing Time and Shall We Dance, they were like, oh yeah, the audience must be getting tired. The budget for Swing Time was 886000 mm. and it made over $2 million. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shall We Dance had a budget of nine, $991,000, also made over $2 million. Yeah, I'm just like, odd what you guys call a bomb. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, yeah. I imagine it's it's more a bomb compared to what the earlier ones made, probably. Well, the uh, okay. Uh, let's take out uh, the Gate of Orsay. Budget five hundred twenty thousand, made one point eight million. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the biggest hit I think is Top Hat had a budget of six hundred nine thousand, made three point two million. I think Top Hat might be my favorite, but the blackface did bias me against Swing Time, which I had enjoyed a lot before we hit that point. Well, Swing Time also, like I said, it's like it's really like. Well, why is he in tuxedo? Well, we have to have a scene that explains why he's in a tuxedo. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> why are they? Why are they in a dance class? Well, we have to have a scene that explains why they're in a dance class. Uh, 
Yeah. It feels like very much it's working backward from premise. <laughs> it's very slapstick. And, 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 and in the most great. fascinating way, because the film, like the dance school scene in Swing Time, mm. is actually quite ingenious. Because it starts off with him pretending to be a klutz, and then she does. Yeah. Oh, I think the other part of it that it was swing time is, is interesting is that um, he's magic, <laughs> which is kind of underplayed in the context of it. Like, no one really makes much of the fact that whenever he gambles, he always wins. He's lucky. Oh, he's lucky. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're lucky. You have a lucky quarter. Tara, but no, it's he's... very clearly established that he has a lucky quarter. What else do you need? He's is that magic. the beginning of a lucky quarter, out of curiosity? <laughs> The man is a leprechaun. There, I said it, and I'm not sorry. Well, not only that, but Swing Time is the one movie out of all of them in which they're not rich or yeah. established. These They are, That's at true. best, working poor. At, at yeah. fact, well, because he was an actual lucky, vaudeville is homeless, performer. jobless, and without any prospects. He literally only has the clothes on his back. Because his quote, and, unquote, no, 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 friends. and his, his toothbrush. Because yeah. when his manager dumps his suitcase, he rescues his toothbrush. By yeah. the way, his friends well, in the beginning good. of Swing Time are the worst. Those are, those are the worst <laughs> people. I'm glad we never see them again. Yes, that's the only thread sort of left. Like the only good thing they do is inspire uh, the, the him using the same trick at the end of the movie, and that's the only good thing that comes out of them. Okay. Uh, it's, ugh, those were awful people, and I felt ho- like that whole opening was so sad. Like, <laughs> dude, your your supposed friends are monsters, and like this big wedding has has just collapsed, and so this woman is is upset, and like it's just terrible. And then like when pops goes with them, I'm like, I'm kind of mad at you. Yeah, okay, pops. Cool. I, I was I was really on edge about pops for quite a while. Uh, I I actually did love the fact that that when they're betting for that contract later in the movie that like the guy cheats and then pops cheats so it technically <laughs> is a fair it is a fair game. Yeah, well, it worked out in the end. It did. I will say Swing Time also had one of my favorite jokes of him and pops going on strike to get her. To oh yeah. Uh, I love the I love the strike and then her friend like peeks out and is like, "Hey, the people are with you." <laughs> People are with you, comrades. <laughs> well, so that good. and I think it's the gate of Voice when Fred Astaire's like, I'm one of you. And it's, and the guy's like, are you union? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. So overall, what were your impressions of these? Uh, just a lot of a, a lot of consistent energy. Like these movies have really solid momentum. And I wasn't necessarily I didn't I, I didn't actively think like oh these will have lulls of in whatever time, but they they really don't like they carry really well surprisingly uh, so almost like as Kara sort of said sometimes almost frenetically but <laughs> uh, but I but I I just they, they they kept a really good pace and while we did like stop them now and then it was mostly just because something really funny happened like we we never with any of these hit a point where it's like eh, I'm not interested. At least I didn't. I, I don't know if Kara... I think Kara would agree. Uh, I got a little worn out with... What movie was it? Because it had too many switchbacks. Probably mm. Shall We Dance, because that was the longest. Yeah, I think Shall We Dance was the one you were you mentioned. Because that was the second one we watched. Hold on, let me... That was also the one we wanted to feel with Ginger Rogers didn't yeah. have a companion of her own. yeah. Yeah, Shall We Dance was the one because it kept having too many 
understanding, misunderstanding, understanding, misunderstanding, switchbacks, switchbacks, switchbacks. I mean, the plots are actually, in a weird way, kind of irrelevant, but also very complicated. Yeah, and I was like, I, I need, I need a resolution. I'm getting too many things, but also, I, these movies don't make me as anxious as most films do. Like most films, make me physically ill because it's like, uh, they, they both love each other, but they're not going to tell each other, and they both think they love other people, and that's the gimmick for two and a half hours. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, because again, again, these are escapism films. This is the height mm-hmm. of the depression. A- so the, the the goal is to make you feel good and forget the fact that the world is in a tailspin. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like, they're not, like, they they are very positive and upbeat, but, like, it doesn't feel it, like there's a cotton candy thing. Like, there's always very clear stakes, right. and, like, even, even while Fred Astaire is being generally positive the whole time, like, there's, there are, like, bad things that happen, they just get resolved uh, very well, cleanly. Yeah. I, I enjoy the ride. Not only that, but one of the common complaints we have now are movies that go on for, like, Plots that revolve around a misunderstanding that could easily be cleared up if someone yeah. just uttered a sentence. These yeah. movies yeah. do that too, but those conflicts only last for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that when there's clearly a sort of a double talk misunderstanding happening and, and they're not sure why, like one or both of them will react to them realizing that there is something wrong, right. but not being able to put their finger on it. And yeah. that's part of the funniness of the moment is they both realize that something is off, but they're not sure what or why. And I mean, right. Top Hat, like we were saying, Top Hat has the longest run mistaken identity because it's it's like the core of the plot the whole time. Mm-hmm. And But it's also very, very classically a farce. Like one of my favorite bits with the mistaken identity is like a, a hotel manager points up on a balcony to be like, "Oh yes, that's uh, that's that's Mr. Hardwick up there. Uh, he's the man in the top hat and ca- uh, no, like carrying the cane and the and the briefcase." Mm-hmm. And you, she looks up and sees someone who just then is steps behind a chandelier, and then we cut to the top of the stairs, and of course, Hardwick uh, and Fred Astaire's character run into each other and like they trade off the 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 cane and the suitcase, and it's just so overt and so ridiculous, and the setup is and so yet- clear. It's but it brilliant. makes it work great. Yeah, like the overtness of it makes it work. Not only it's that, but like so it's fun. almost Hitchcockian and just how like just <laughs> of a, a how of a believable of a misunderstanding it is. Mm. You know, who I actually brought up. A, I was talking about a lot with this. I kept bringing up Oscar Wilde. Yeah, yeah because there's very much to this a, a taste of like the importance of being earnest, only a little bit nicer. Right. Yeah, I would say it's substantially nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I love Oscar Wilde, but he was a catty man. He was. Um, I, for myself, I was really shocked by how, like like you guys said, the energy and how well these moved for movies that were essentially we sit and sing and then we dance. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Because like I, I, I kept harping on that earlier about how there are these very clear partitions between what's happening, but the, but those. That's only because the, like they are separate things, but they flow into each other so well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like dialogue will lead to song, and also, oh, that's one of the other things that, that I learned is that Fred Astaire loved jumping over couches. Oh like, yeah. You, you give that man a couch, and he's gonna scale it like a goat. Like if, <laughs> if there is something that is like waist high, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are going to like spin dance over it a couple of times. There's actually this great bit. Where he is, uh, it's, it's their meet cute. He is, I forget what the reason was, but he starts to decide that he wants to hysterically tap dance at like two in the morning in his room. Well, it's, <laughs> that's that one was in uh, Top Hat. 
Yeah, yeah, but I, okay. I forget what triggers the top dance. What triggers the dancing? No, he's, he's doing a musical and, number. He's singing, and then he just starts dancing. Well, he's, it's, he's thinking about something, though. He's talking about how he wants to be married. Yeah, how he ever wants to oh, be yeah. single. <laughs> and he starts, you know, like dancing and going on and on, and uh, it wakes Ginger up, and she's furious, and she ends up going and yelling at them and that's their meat cute but there's a part of it where he's just going hog at he's just going for it he's jumping over furniture at one point he just decides to like oh he knocks over the statue and catches it no he decides to kick a table he just starts yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That table and he's kicking it and dancing and kicking and kicking this table and it's actually him kicking the tables the moment where she's like okay no i'm gonna yell at him myself well, that actually like i love that because it builds from it actually that that number builds from him like singing while doing weird rhythm stuff with the seltzer bottle <laughs> and then it and then later he the table he's kicking like still has his drink on it <laughs> yeah he's just he's just like going for that table man he's gonna teach it what and then she comes up uh which leads of course to one of the greatest lines ever where she's like are you ill can you not stop dancing he's like oh uh, i can't and the nurses at my home always give me a hug to help me stop and she's like mm, the men i send up i'll be sure to let them know that you mm, can the house detective yeah, and she just like st- like, but then she like laughs about it. Yeah, she's clearly amused yeah. by him. Yeah, like they make it a very clear point that she's always amused by his antics. Uh, yes. Also, also, there is nothing more 1930s than a hotel having a house dick. This is true. Like, that is. Uh, we gotta cut this off. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. That's bye. okay. It's been fun. Uh, we're gonna do this. Uh, we're gonna still talk about musicals for the next one. Uh, we haven't quite figured out which one we're doing. But I liked. Well, I wanted to do this so we can get a look at basically the formation and the slow sort of mounting evolution of what a Hollywood musical becomes. Mm. Um, we, from from what I can gather, we all enjoyed, all, except the one yeah. scene. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so here's the thing: this is a musical. Um, if you ask me to sing any of the songs, I don't think yeah. I could. That's fine. Neither could I. The musicals, or they did the purpose of. They filled in the time, but they w- I don't, outside of maybe Pick Yourself Up. But even uh, then, I don't know. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay. But yeah, uh, just point out, as, as musicals, I'm supposed well, to. Or, I, I mean, let's call know. the whole thing off. Like, that's yeah, one, that's, I think we yeah, all That's not yeah. from them. But we got to go. All right, all right, bye. Okay. All right, uh, thank you guys for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, we'll have this up. Um, we'll, we'll be back next month, where we uh, again talk about more musicals. Uh, say goodbye, Thad. Uh, bye. Hello. Good. Thanks for listening. Bye. Say goodbye, Kat. Bye.